Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 43 of the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sands. Today I am talking with Eric from Resnick Refinisher, and the most important thing we learned today is how he came up with the name Resnick Refinisher. He is a painter by trade, he's an awesome dude. I hope that you, dear listener, really enjoy this podcast. If you do, do me a favor, give me a uh, rating and a comment. Tell me I'm the man. If you don't like it, then go ahead and give me a rating. Tell me why I suck so that I can get better. I hope that you guys all have a uh, wonderful day, and I hope that you really enjoy this. Without further ado, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sands. Today, I'm talking with Eric Kinzer of Resnick Refinishing. Um, how are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, so I've been following you for a little bit now, and you are a car painter. And yes. You have an Instagram, YouTube, um, and you do some really beautiful work. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Your tape jobs are, like, tight. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, that's one thing I try to – I'm real picky about is, is masking. I think it's the most important part next to prep. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it definitely is the most important part. Prep and I always, uh, you know, I always say painters get all the credit, but it all falls back on the prepper pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah. If you don't have a good prepper, then what's, what's going in the booth isn't going to come out so good. So how did you, agree. how did you get into doing auto body or paint? Actually, do you auto body also, or are you just a paint tech? Just a painter. I have, I have done, when I first started, I have done body work in the past, but uh, strictly painting. But uh, kind of a funny story. Out of, uh, out of high school, I kind of went to a community college for a little bit, not even a whole semester, and then I realized it wasn't for me at all. <laughs> this wasn't the route <laughs> I wanted to take. So I moved. Uh, after kind of deciding I wasn't going to do that, I moved to North Carolina to work with my father, who did industrial painting, like um, not really spray painting so much, was like roll-on coatings. Okay. And uh, it was totally, I'd never done anything like it before. It was totally different. And uh, we did a little bit of spray painting steel, like steel beams and whatnot, and I always enjoyed that, so... I got a little burnout on that and moved back home to Tennessee where I live now and bounced around for a little bit doing random jobs and uh, kind of just decided that I wanted to paint cars. I just, I've always been into cars and I enjoyed the painting that I did. So I kind of figured I'd throw the two together. So <laughs> <laughs> it made sense and uh, went to a local tech school and uh kind of jumped right in and I enjoyed the bodywork part of it but I knew I wanted to be in paint I wanted to be in the booth so that was my main focus so it's just, always nice and quiet absolutely yeah and you can really you can really I don't know kind of be yourself in there and just focus on what you're doing um, if you put headphones in just zone out in the booth it's nice but uh, <laughs> I ended up graduating early which was cool to work for a shop just down the street as a painter's helper. And 
caught on pretty quick. The boss, uh, evidently, he liked me because he didn't fire me, even though I messed up <laughs> messed up a few things. But uh, <laughs> he understood I was pretty green to it and was willing to work with me. So I was really, really appreciative of that. And uh, he kept asking me, like, "Hey, when are you gonna graduate out of school? Because I need you here full time." Because I was only there three days a week at this point. I was like, well, you know, I think won't let me graduate now, and I gotta wait till a certain amount of time passed. And they finally let me graduate early, just go on full time, which was awesome. I think it was six months early from the two year program, so that was pretty rad. And was a prepper there for about six months, and my painter decided to quit. <laughs> kind of out of the blue, kind of left me hanging. I had been in there watching him. Uh, like a hawk, really, because that's, like I said, it's where I wanted to be, and he was an older gentleman, maybe in his 60s, so he was pretty much done with it, and he just, he just left, and my boss was like, well, I guess you're, you're the painter now, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool, you know, I'm, I'm up for it, and just kind of hit the ground running, and had a, a guy up there that had painted there before, trained me with the water base and everything for about a week, and then I just was all in at that point painting. I've been doing it ever since. That's an awesome story. Did it was it frustrating being in school and like having this job already lined up and they're already like, yo, just come to just come to work like you said. You know what I mean? But you like you've already spent all this money on school, you know what I mean? So you must have wanted to finish it out. Yeah, I didn't want to just like drop out of school and I mean, the, obviously the job was there, but I still wanted the satisfaction of finishing school. So my instructor saw that, and he saw that when I was at school, I was I was motivated to help the other guys that were just starting and wanting to be in the booth. But um, he was like, you know, you're, you're pretty much ready to, to be out at your job. So he was able to let me graduate early, which was cool. But it was frustrating. I wanted to just be be working, you know, full time. <laughs> do you feel like um, you learned things that? Do you feel like you learned things that were worthwhile at school, or do you feel like you were learning more on the job um, by the time you were getting to that point? I feel like if I hadn't had spent time in school, I don't think I would have done as well in the shop when I started because just little things I didn't know, like how to buff or how to block the right way or things of that sort, how to look for pinholes and just little subtle things like that. I think I would have really struggled with had I not already learned them. So it was definitely worth it. That makes a lot of sense. There's always like, it's always one thing to kind of go into something, but it's another thing to like really understand what you're doing. Right. Jumping in, you know, head first, not knowing it, you kind of, you know, the first big issue, it's kind of like, well, what do I do? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I've never seen it before, but if you kind of have an idea, you you know, you can go into it a little less um, stressed, I guess. What was it like when, um, you know, your, your painter just up and bails on you and then <laughs> <laughs> you have no, or you, you had some experience in school, but you, or I'm, I'm assuming you didn't have a lot of experience in the booth, do you feel like you were, your technical skills have the confidence or do you feel like you were, you were there and you were ready to go? I was, I was pretty confident. I was, I was ready to go. I, I knew, and obviously that I wasn't 
the best or anywhere close to it. But I'm, the only way to learn is to do it. So I kind of put my fear aside at that point and just put my head down and, you know, got to work. And it was, you know, when I found out he left, it was a little unnerving because, uh, like I said, I had never been in there full time. So it was a little nerve-wracking, but I got used to it pretty quick. I would imagine that would be extremely nerve-wracking. <laughs> Especially <laughs> mixing, because he, he would have me mix a little bit. And when it came time to, you know, actually mix that first, I think it was like a the first white pearl I did. I was so nervous. I was like, well, I've never, <laughs> never even sprayed one of these. What do I do? And <laughs> it was just, it was really pretty crazy. But, you know, you learn from your mistakes. And if I hadn't made those mistakes, I don't think I would have been able to learn as much so fast. Mixing is the most stressful thing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the shop was, you know, it's older shop. He's been there for a long time. Real poorly lit. And <laughs> but it was, that wouldn't be where I'm at today if I hadn't took that job. So it's no regrets there. Are you still working in the same shop? No, no. I'm actually, I've been to, I uh, left that shop to go to another shop. It was a pretty far commute away. Um, you know, better benefits and more pay so i was there for the first shop for two years and it was pretty hard to leave but i got paid under the table and it was not really something i could do for too long you know right so i went to another shop that was over an hour commute away from where i was living and uh that it was spraying the same paint so it was almost no difference uh, pbg oh. Envirobase. so but that commute got really old <laughs> <laughs> After a while, I was there for, I think, five months, and I found another shop. Uh, actually, they kind of found me, and uh, it was like half, you know, 30 minutes from my house. It was perfect. I was there for three years, and then had the same kind of thing. I kind of just plateaued there, and I'm not that really the type of person to jump around places. I don't like to. I, don't, I hate starting a new job. It's always nerve-wracking, but... Uh, I found this job at a, the Ford dealership where I'm at now, and it it just it actually fell into my lap yet again. It's kind of crazy. It seems like <laughs> dumb luck, you know. But they would need another painter because the one that left to work for the jobber he he gave them a notice, and one of my other friends that paints gave the manager by name, and we just kind of connected, and I I took that job because it's you know, benefits, retirement, and all that stuff. And now that I have two kids and a wife and stuff, it made a lot of sense. It's weird That's, when you're when you're grinding how the universe just seems to give you stuff, doesn't it? Sometimes it does, man. <laughs> it seems like sometimes the whole universe is against you, but then you have those little moments where it, everything kind of works out. It's so weird, isn't it? Like, I uh, just recently, you know, like the last, I don't know, I would say, like, since the last, Maybe like November, December, like it's just I've just been like I don't know what it is, but like it just felt like every step I took was just like the universe just smashing me in the face. Like every step I took forward it was like three steps backwards, you know? And then like Oh yeah. Like I don't know what happened, like something switched in like the last two weeks, like everything has gone been going <laughs> like knock on wood, everything's been going so smoothly, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's 
I feel like you have to go through those times, and they you come out stronger in the end most of the time, I feel. I think so, and I think, too, you know, when you are working and you are staying focused and you're doing your thing and you're not quitting, right, eventually mm-hmm. you're going to get to opportunity. Like, those opportunities are going to come forward, and you're going to have the opportunity – you're going to have the chance to take advantage of those opportunities. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, if you had – kind of you know, crazy when I as soon as I started this new job the the whole country shut down because of COVID-19 I've only I've only been there for four months now <laughs> I was like yes great opportunity and then <laughs> smacked right back down <laughs> oh, that sucks man have you yeah. been able... go I... ahead you go ahead I was just I don't know it it helped me kind of get more comfortable with the shop but at the same time it was <laughs> Man, were you considered a special? Yes, yeah, yeah. They didn't, they didn't send us home, luckily. But uh, it slowed down so much, which is like it did everywhere, you know. <laughs> there were you... times where we were like, "Man, I'd almost rather be sent home than kind of sit around." <laughs> are you flat rate or are you uh, hourly? Flat rate. Oh yeah, so that's killer. Yeah, it was extremely stressful. We just bought a house last year, and I was like, oh, my God, everything just kind of, you know. I think nobody had an easy time with any of the shutdown, so I, I can't act like I'm the only one, but it, it did suck, you know. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. you always try and feel for other people, but at the end of the day, you can only, you, you know, you kind of have to worry about yourself a little bit. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, 100%. And you got to – when something sucks, it's hard to think about what everybody else is going through when you're in the middle of something sucking, you know? Right, because then, then, <laughs> then it's too much focus on everything else. <laughs> but but, uh, but after uh, after it was shut down for a while, uh, down here in Tennessee around April, uh, late April, we have usually have bad tornadoes, so it's really sucked, but we had a really bad storm come through, and that brought in a, a ton of work. So that kind of made up for it. Yeah, that's kind of good. Um, Jeez, that's one thing. Tornadoes freak me out, man. I'm not going to lie. They're they're terrifying. (laughs) They are terrifying. (laughs) Do you have them up there at all? No, we don't have – I would never live somewhere where there are tornadoes. (laughs) (laughs) One sure way to know that there's nothing – there's no natural disasters is if I'm living there. Right. (laughs) That's my research. I grew up in Florida and uh, moved up here when I was 13, so I was used to hurricanes. You know, there's really I I think there's tornadoes down there, but it's mainly just hurricanes that people worry about, and those are terrifying. And then I moved up here, and it's more tornadoes. And I'm like, Jesus, I can't escape it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we live. I live in New Hampshire. The only issue we have really is blizzards, but we haven't even had been having many of those up here. Oh, that's good. I'd imagine that's terrible. It's been smooth sailing, baby. Nah, it's not <laughs> stuck. Like it's just annoying, but yeah. it's not really like. It's not that bad. I like the cold because I'm fat, so I get hot, you know. So, like, it's nice to be cold. And then, yeah, you got a shovel, but you got a four-wheel drive, you know. You just run That's right over. <laughs> that definitely helps. Um, how long did it take you, like, overall to move, actually move up from being, like, an assistant to being, like, a full-blown all-the-time painter? I just – after that six months of prepping. <laughs> yeah, that was, was 
I was thrown right in and then I've been I've been a full time painter ever since. But at the shop I was at for the past three years, it was just me. So I did all my own prep work and my own buffing and everything. So start to finish on the paint side. So I got real, you know, good at honing my prepping in even more. So then I had more time to focus on it. So That's one thing about our shop is everybody does everything. So like I'll do body work, prep, tape, paint all in one day. <laughs> hey, it keeps you it keeps you fresh on all all of the skills, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way, just because like, you know, everybody's different. So no, not saying this in your case, but like, I would just get bored if I was just painting all day, or I would get bored if I was just prepping all day, or I like oh, I do I do too, and oh, there'll be busy days in my preppers out there. Um, He's a really good prepper. He's been he's been at this shop for ten years just prepping. So he's he's really good. I kind of lucked up starting there with a good prepper. So I don't really have to, I don't have to like go behind him and watch so much things. Of course, he's been through a few painters, so there's things that he does that I like done differently. <laughs> but he's adapted really well and to how I like things. But all you painters are prima donnas. <laughs> That's what I've been told. <laughs> We're all really picky. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you kind of have to be, though, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And the, and some of the ones who aren't so picky, it, it kind of shows, and that's just my opinion, you know. Oh, for sure. I, I don't think that's opinion. I'm pretty sure that's fact. Yeah. <laughs> are you – um? how many hours a day are you, like, actually in the booth spraying? Um, are you, mm. like, splitting up your time in, in any way, or are you just, like – like full-on spraying no i uh in between jobs like wild ones bacon i'll go out there and either buff the one that just came out or help my prepper mask the next one i'm always back and forth helping him between painting bake cycle and things like that so i, I gotta keep moving so right uh, generally we we try to run if you know so long as the work's there four or five booth runs a day and uh, there's oh. two painters there, so the other painter runs about the same. And uh, so we we try to stay pretty busy. So I'm in the booth a lot, but I'm also, you know, out helping him as much as I can. Who is the better painter, you or the other guy? <laughs> oh, man, the other painter there has been there for 20 years. <laughs> he's an, He's a beast, man. He's a really good painter. And it was – I knew that going into it that he'd been there that long and, and – I can't really describe how nervous I was because I've only been spraying for like six years now, and which is a decent amount of time. But I was so intimidated because I saw his work and I was like, man, he's pretty pretty damn good. And but he's a really really awesome guy. We get along well, and the the nervousness kind of subsided after a few weeks, you know. But um, I, I don't want to say like. I think he's better than me, you know what I mean? But I, I try, I'm, I'm honestly never 100% satisfied with something I do, and I think a lot of people are that way. I Isn't it – it's cool working with someone who's been painting for so long. Like, I, I work with my dad. He's been painting since he was 14, and he's almost 60 now, so it's been a while. Oh, yeah, uh, that's a long time. And it's cool seeing people who are, like, so – who have spent so much time doing something. Like, it doesn't matter if it's, you know – 
painting or playing ping pong or whatever it is. Like when you see someone doing something that they've spent that much time doing, it's mm-hmm. just a thing to see, isn't it? Like, Oh yeah. Cause it seems like no matter what they like, I mean, everyone has issues, but it seems like they just, they just know, you know what I mean? Like there's a little problem, like boom, they know exactly what to do and how to fix it. And I love working with someone like that who isn't afraid of, if I have a question about the system, because I've been spraying PPG for years and then moved over to BASF. So I tried not to bug him a lot because I needed to learn it myself. <laughs> but any questions I have, he's more than willing to help me, and it's it's awesome. I know one thing, weird thing with my dad is, I don't know if you have this problem with your guy, but, um, like, he's been doing it so long, and it's, like, such second nature to him. That like sometimes he'll explain something, but like his base of knowledge is already so, you know, far superior to right. to yours that he to him he's explaining it in like extremely simple terms, and you're still lost. You know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes, uh, with especially with this paint line uh, specifically, because you know he knows so much about it, and I really don't still and. Sometimes I'm like, okay, back up a little bit, and explain it again. And <laughs> but he, he's really good at at explaining things, you know, pretty simple. So it's helpful. But I yeah. have I have worked with folks that it's like they seem like, like you know why don't you know why don't you get it? I'm explaining it perfect, and I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> so, you're you like, go, go back. What's this? What's this spray gun? <laughs> right. <laughs> why Why am I here? <laughs> we gotta bring it. We gotta bring it way way back. <laughs> Yeah. What was it like switching from PPG to to BSF? Yeah, uh, we sprayed Glazerit. Okay. Uh, it really wasn't too big of a difference. They're both water, um, both blow dry, so it's pretty much the same application. But honestly, the stuff I spray now covers so much better, and it's a lot faster. And honestly, the transition was much smoother than I thought it would be. It wasn't That's, too bad. I actually, um, we don't spray waterborne at the shop. We, we uh, industrial paints are still all um, urethane Fun. and stuff. So we don't have like uh, like air. We don't have to worry. Well, like kind of, but you don't really have to worry about like air movement as much and stuff like that. Right. You know? um, have you sprayed like traditional paints and, and what's what the kind of the differences that you've noticed? Oh, I have sprayed quite a bit of solvent, and really, the differences that I've noticed, I haven't sprayed it, like, in a production setting so much, like, day-to-day, but the biggest difference is you don't blow-dry solvent, and the blending techniques might be a little different. Uh, I feel like a wet bed is more common with solvents than it is in water. You don't really have to do one with water-based, where I've heard in solvent, you kind of almost have to. But uh, not really many differences. Obviously, the technology's way different. But <laughs> as far as application goes, it's it's pretty much about the same. What kind of water do you use? Like, I've, these are obviously stupid questions, but like, I've literally never shot waterborne paint. You just no, you, do you have no to like stupid buy- questions, man. <laughs> what? There's no stupid questions. <laughs> I think there's something about paintbrushes. I was like, well, it's not quite that bad, but. <laughs> um, what's it? What do you? Do you mix water into the paint, or does it come, like, pre-mixed? No, you uh, mix it 
mix the toners together and then at least with the glazerate mix that together and then you add your water in after that and the the glazerate they say it's like a, a hybrid between solvent and water like it it mixes first as a solvent and then you put the water in and that makes it the water base so I, it's really I, I really don't understand that to be honest <laughs> with you it seems so counterintuitive because if I got water in my paint, I would panic. <laughs> right. That was my first thought. I was like, that doesn't make too much sense, but it works. So evidently, <laughs> they're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I guess maybe I'm just not smart enough to, to understand it. But, like, if you think, like, I mean, we have, like, a, you know, $20,000 system hooked up to our compressor that pulls moisture out of it. And now you're now you want me to add water right into it? <laughs> right. And with PPG, all of the toners are... Uh, they're water-based, like from the jump. Like you don't have to stir them on a machine. Like a couple times a day, they just sit. You pick it up, shake it around a little bit, and pour it. But with really, yeah, they're. I think I, think I was told like latex-based. I could be wrong on that, but on the end of the little toner lid, it dries like feels like latex, like a rubber glove with PPG. So it's pretty crazy. It is crazy. That's weird. The um and then but the clear coat is the same, right? So it's like yeah. the base coat is is waterborne, and then the clear coat itself is is still solvent, correct? Correct, yeah. So you, oh, so you still get plenty of you spray time with solvents, anyways. Yeah, yeah, the clear is all the same. Just gotta make sure it's dry, like just with water, because you can have some really weird reactions. <laughs> you clear it, <laughs> clear it too oh, soon, yeah. you're you got a headache. <laughs> I didn't even think about how that must be. A nightmare if you just like just one little bit of water left in there is gonna ruin your day. Yeah, like on bumpers in a little corner might not be dry all the way and it it it'll just make a mess. Uh, how do you how do you avoid that? You just make sure it's done right. <laughs> yeah, make sure your viscosity's right and it's not gonna take too long to get all the moisture out. And uh, if you have to on a, like a white pearl where you have so many coats, just run a bake cycle, fifteen minutes or so. And let it make sure it's dry and then you have no doubts that it's dry so what temperature does your booth get up to uh we bake our clears at 155 for 25 minutes but they can, i think the booth can go up to like 190 but we don't ever get up that high because you run into a lot of issues that's crazy you guys should do you ever just go in there as like a sauna situation <laughs> no but it's nice in the winter time <laughs> yeah i would imagine we uh we don't have ac so like I would imagine it would be it would be great to have like an air conditioned booth. That must be so nice. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if they, if you can have like legitimate AC in the booth. No. No, because the heat is ran off of like a you know the burner and stuff like that. It's uh, gas powered, but right. I guess I guess you have the airflow. You know, it kind of might feel like AC, but in the summer it's after that first bake cycle in the day it's. 100 plus all day so <laughs> oh see i assumed that like you heated it up and then like there was an air conditioning that like brought it back down to working like 70 no there's usually like a after the bake cycle ends it'll purge all that air out for a little bit maybe five minutes and get it back down to normal spray temperature which i generally like to keep mine around 85 ish so oh geez that's not that's not nearly as exciting as i thought it was so you're still <laughs> It's still hot and miserable. Uh, yeah, it's still hot. <laughs> and wearing the whole suit and fresh air hood and everything, it, it's, you know, it's 
gets a little hot in there. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed actually one thing I really wanted to talk to you about was that you use a a much different gun than I'm used to hearing about. What brand of gun are you using? Oh, mainly use Walcom. They're a what? Italian spray gun company. I've never heard of them before. What um are they similar to like another type of gun that maybe I, I would recognize? Uh, looks wise, they're they look kind of like a Technopro light, but uh, mainly the air cap kind of looks like one. But I would say they spray more similar to a Sada, but the atomization is just it's next level on their guns. It's like nothing I've no like no gun I've ever used. And I've, I have Iwata's, Devilbus, uh, and Sada, and the Walcoms are just my favorite. That's really interesting. I might have to pick one up. You definitely should. I highly recommend them. What's the like price point on them? Are they closer to like Iwata or are they closer to Sada? Uh, I'd say it's probably right in the middle. They're not, you know, twelve hundred bucks like some Sadas are, but I think they're retail for the around seven, seven hundred. That's awesome. Like that. Where, how did you first start shooting that? I don't know if you follow Motivated Painters, I'm, I'm sure you probably do. I do. Well, I saw him start using them a couple of years ago, and I always thought they looked really red because they're <laughs> carbon fiber. Yep. And uh, I just I had my jobber get me some to demo a base and a clear gun, and I just I fell in love with them. I ended up buying those and uh, posted a lot about them and started, ended up talking back and forth with, uh, Lorenzo, who's actually their CEO, who runs their Instagram page. God, that's a cool name. And uh, yeah, he, he's an awesome guy. And <laughs> uh, we actually, you know, we talk quite often, and you know, we have a little deal going on. Where they, they, um, I get a pretty good discount on their guns and stuff. So um, they made me a spray gun with. Uh, they put my Instagram name on it and whatnot. So it was pretty awesome. No, that's sick. It's cool when you reach out to a company and you actually get a response from somebody. You know, it's it's neat. It is, and it's also like a really weird feeling because you, know, you don't expect it, you know? Right. <laughs> I do you that reach all... out to one of the big brands and you, you might not ever get a response. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I've reached out. I wasn't sure I was ever going to get a response from you. I like I just have so many <laughs> stupid DMs, and I don't hear back from so many people. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I get a ton as well, man. I... I understand that. I try to respond to everybody if I can. I try to. I I don't, except for robots and, like, yeah, suspiciously yeah, hot chicks trying to get with me. You know? <laughs> yeah, you like, just delete those. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. I'm like, you know, hot girls don't want to talk to me in real life. There's no way they want to talk to me on the Internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't have many of those. I mainly just get those random spams to get more followers, and I just... Let's delete those. <laughs> I get so many hot Russian chicks. I get like, <laughs> I get so many. I don't know. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's just trucks, but like I get a ridiculous amount of hot Russian robots that want to, I don't know, to marry me and stuff or like request. <laughs> That's crazy, <laughs> dude. I'm talking. I like. I probably got five today. Five. Oh, or yeah. One time, like and like. Sometimes I'll get bored and I'll like just kind of go through it, you know what I mean, and see what they're trying to do. And like, if they always, like, it's always somehow they're like 
you know, I'm trying to get to America, like yeah. you send me cash, and then like the they'll give you an address, you send them cash to it, it's already in America, and you're like, what? Oh, <laughs> like, That's a scam from the start. <laughs> it's insane. It's like the weirdest. Like I don't understand who's falling for these things. To be honest with you. <laughs> oh man, I, I you. You'd be surprised, I guess. I'm sure there's people that do. <laughs> I guess. I just, like, like to, with how many there are out there, like, it must work, you know? <laughs> I, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> like, somewhere down the line, it's got to work. Like, I just can't figure out who's calling for it. Right. <laughs> if, I, if I see a weird, like, you know, not always a different language, because sometimes it's a painter from another country sending me pictures of their work, which is always pretty rad, but. That is always rad. Sometimes it's I'll just delete it before I even open it because I don't want to <laughs> fool with it. <laughs> I get a lot of like uh, like trucks are really big in the Middle East, and I get like mm-hmm. a ton of videos and pictures and stuff of trucks from the Middle East, and it's so cool. I love it. Um, like cause a lot of them are running like older trucks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I love getting videos like that. I'll get videos three or four of those a week, usually from different people who are just sending in pictures and stuff. And, yeah, uh, I always like getting that too. I always try to respond to them. Yeah, I do too, and when I can, I like Google Translate is the best. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, like respond to them right in their own language, or at least I think so. I don't know. I try my best. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So, going back to the wall, is it wall Walcom? Yeah, Walcom. Walcom. Oh, I thought it was. Is it W A L C O M? Yes. Oh, I thought it was. I thought there was a th in there somewhere. My bad. No, you're um, good. So they're made of carbon fiber. Is that like a noticeable difference for you when you're shooting with it? Oh yeah, they is really as far as weight goes. Um, the inside of the gun is still uh, billet aluminum, so it's it's already light. And then the coating on the outside, or the shell on the outside, is uh, carbon fiber, and it they weigh. Next to nothing. Like you got a whole cup of clear going over a hood or a roof. It's much less strain on you with a lightweight gun. That's really just, as soon as you pick it up. Like when I first got it, uh, I was clearing with an Iwata Supernova, and I, I I don't think I ever touched that thing again for almost a whole year <laughs> for clear. It was too heavy, and picking up the Walcom, it was like a picking up an airbrush. That <laughs> might cool. sound crazy, but they're so light. Hey, I'm gonna have to check them out, and when I, I'll be sure to uh, let them know who sent me over there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, if you message them, and you'll get a response. Lorenzo should uh, get you a demo pretty good. My man, Lorenzo. <laughs> what else do you got going on? What do you do in your spare time? Uh, not a whole lot in my spare time. I've got two young kids. I got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so my time at home is is spent with them, the family time, and 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 my wife and stuff. So, um, you know, we have friends over and stuff and hang out, but other than that, it's home and work. <laughs> I'm the same way. I, we have, I have a four year old and I mean, even before that I would spend most of my time just hanging out with my wife anyways, but yeah, you know, when I'm not at work, I'm pretty much at home. I don't, I have occasionally I have people like message me, ask me to come hang out and stuff, but I don't know. Like I, whenever I'm not hanging out with my family, I feel like I, and just missing out on hanging out with my family, I guess. Oh, yeah, I agree, because, you know, working full-time, you, you don't get enough time with them. So. No, you yeah. definitely don't, especially where full-time now, instead of being 40 hours, is like 60. Yeah. <laughs> or it feels like it, anyways. 
then by the time you get home and everything, it feels like almost your whole day is shot. Oh yeah, I agree. And you know, I some people might think it's boring, you know, not doing much, but I I love it, you know. So. I do too. I spent all this money on this mortgage, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna spend time there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't spend a bunch of time away from it. I want to I want to take in as much of this thing as I can. Oh yeah, get <laughs> get my money's worth. <laughs> I hear you 100%. Is there any advice you would give to people just coming into the industry or who want to get into the industry and aren't sure where to start? Uh, yeah, I'd say to just stay focused. Don't let it discourage you because there can be a lot of, you know, you can make a lot of mistakes and or you might not think you made a mistake and then, you know, the manager or someone else might not like the work and you got to fix it and redo it. and. For a lot of people I've seen, and honestly myself, you can get really discouraged and want to just quit. But um, you got to just stay focused and, and put the work in, and it'll it'll be rewarding in the end. Every time I get a run, or every time I my body work is wavy, <laughs> or every time you know, like I blow off something I just prepped and I miss something, or there's some holidays on it, you get. Very frustrated. It's every oh, yeah. day. Every day is like an upcycle of like between like frustrated and then you like you're down low and you're like I never want to do this again. And then like by the end of the day you're like oh man that looks so good or like this is gonna look so awesome. Like it's it's a roller coaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. It always is. You might have one day that or one week and that's that's a stretch. <laughs> a week that goes perfect. Everything goes your way and then the next week <laughs> totally different. So it's just you gotta. You gotta have uh not really a thick skin, I guess, to be in the industry, but you, you gotta be willing to put in the work and learn how to fix your mistakes. And have patience. Yes, patience is the biggest part of it. I mean at the end of the day we're literally trying to take liquid and then stop it from running off the side of stuff. Right. And, and turn it into a solid. <laughs> right, exactly. And just just get it to stick long enough to go solid. Like that's a yep. fresh task to begin with, you know? Oh yeah. And a lot of people always say, man, that looks so fun what you do, like just painting all day. I'm like, I mean, yeah, the painting is great, but everything that goes on around it and behind the scenes is you you have to be willing to take all that in as well. I think most, most people don't even realize that, like, it takes one speck of dust to ruin your whole day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And no one likes the buff. I mean, some people might, but I I don't like the buff. Nobody likes <laughs> Anyone who likes the buff is lying. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, if you polish your black car or truck or something, you might be really stoked when it comes out good, but the, the time doing it, it sucks. <laughs> uh, it's, such an, it's just like such an awkward movement. Like yeah. Because, like, it's, rota- it's trying to rotate against you and down, you know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, such an awkward, like, bracing and everything about it just sucks. That heat buffing. you got to have some, some finesse to it for sure. Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not very full of finesse. I'm really more of like a, like a sledgehammer than a, <laughs> you know, than a buffer. <laughs> That's why I work on trucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something you can actually beat on. Put some force how much, behind. How much actual material do you normally spray a day? Um, like, it's because it's, so let me just preface this by saying, like, it's weird for me to think of, like, doing a paint job that's only going to take, you know, like, a few ounces just because I'm so used to painting like giant things, you know what I mean? So like the smallest jobs I do take a gallon of paint. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, generally, it's hard to say. It depends on the workload, but uh, as far as base goes, man, I'd say by the end of the day, if it's a busy day, I'm going through 70, 80 ounces of base coat and then clear. I generally try to mix a whole cup of clear no matter what I'm doing. That way, I've, you know, I've got enough. Right. So I mix 30 ounces at a time with my clear. And then some people might think that's really wasteful. And I try to conserve material as much as I can because I know it's not cheap. But I'd rather mix a little more and not have to go back and remix and try to fix that dry spot while I'm clear. And then, you know, uh, so I'd probably mix 90 to 100 ounces of clear a day, somewhere around there, maybe more. I think that actually what you just said about the clear is really important. Um, I think the industry tends to lean toward like, you know, being lean, being like no waste, zero waste, and like mm-hmm. having that at a pride point. Um, and I think that that's really great. But like, even if it's just one out of a hundred times where you don't have enough clear, like that sucks. Yeah. That sucks a lot. <laughs> and then, you know, you got to go, at least with us, we mix everything per repair order. You got to go to the computer, mix that again, and then go back in and, you know, hit it quick before it dries too, you know, fast. And Right. And that's the it, thing. You have to be able to do it before it before it dries, and then you got to restart the whole friggin' process. Right. Because if you don't catch that wet edge, it's, you know, you got to do another coat. And it's just, it's, that, that ends up being wasteful in the long exactly. run. Exactly. So. So, like, I think, um, you know, I do think, even though I think you should try to conserve as much as you can, um, I do think that a lot of people are too focused on being zero waste and not focused enough on, like, making sure that you have enough for the job. I think that's a problem in our industry. Especially, like you said, I mean, material is expensive, you know? Even the clear coat is expensive. You don't want to be using it, but you also don't want to end up wasting your time, energy, and then throwing off your whole day, having to mix up, you know, a quart of, for for me, it would be like if, if I'm doing a frame and I have, I do single stage and I'm shooting black on it and then I run out and now I have, you know, I need another quart. Now I got to stop everything I'm doing. I hope I ended mm-hmm. up spot. I got to go back out of the mixing room, mix up, you know, some more black, get it in my gun, get it back, get back in there. You know, it's just, I, I, I hate that, and I think that that's a problem in the industry as a whole. Um, is that they, I, I'm sorry, go the ahead. At the same time, I can I can understand. Like the shop I was at before, it was a mom and pop kind of shop, and they were real strict on materials. So I had to be, you know, pretty much down to the ounce on accuracy, and it was it was stressful. As as hell at first, and you know, ended up I was like, man, I'm getting pretty good at, at assessing how much paint I'm gonna need for this job. So it was pretty cool. And then, you know, going to this big dealership shop, they just—it's not that they don't care. They're just like, you just get the job done, and make it look right, and you know, as long as you, it looks good, we don't really care. Right. And I feel like that's more of how it should be. But I get it—the smaller operations that need to be more conscious on material. I get it. I just think that, like, if you're good enough to estimate, like, kind of exactly what you need, it's just smart to do, you know, a few percent more just to make yeah. sure it's covered. And, and I, I also feel like on the estimate side of it for writing it, you should kind of always write it for a little more materials anyway, just to, yeah. just to cover if you can. 
yeah, I completely agree with that too. You want to make sure that your your estimators are writing hours too. I mean, you should make oh, sure yeah. that you have time to do the job the right way, and that you're not crunching yourself down just to try and be the cheapest. You know. And what unfortunately, what I've noticed in the, and I'm sure you've noticed it too. Um, it seems like the hours on a paint estimate or work order just kind of keep going down. With uh, for us, we get. Uh, base coat reductions from certain insurance companies. Like if it's just a repair on a door, mm-hmm. we'll get we'll get a half hour deducted from that panel for base coat reduction. And they, if it's on an all over, they might hit you with you know three hours deducted from that job, and you have to fight to get it back because they claim it's a standard, but really it's just ripping us off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they do not like to pay money, so nope, they'll do everything no. they can to keep hold on to as much as they can. <laughs> yes, I agree, and it is frustrating. But you know, like on the body side of it, you can be like, "Hey, you know, I need two more hours to fix this dent." And generally, they'll get it, and it's nothing against body men. Like, you got to have the body men to do the job right. So, but it just seems like it's easier to supplement hours on that side than it is the paint side. Yeah, I think that because paint is, like, such a sterile and, like, such a, like, there's so much, like, mass as far as, like, mixing and stuff like that, like, I think it's looked at differently than, um, like, I think it's just a lot easier to look at as, like, a mathematical equation than, like, you know, a body man can say, like, not many estimators were ever body men. If you actually talk to them, a lot more of them were painters than were body men. That's true. That's very true. for them to just not know that i think mm-hmm. and then um since they don't know it as well as the paint side maybe you can it's easier to get it out of them because they don't they don't really know you know what i mean uh-huh. it seems i guess it seems like the paint side is more cut and dry so to speak because it kinda... almost looks like painting is the is kind of like the end goal in our industry you know what i mean like i feel like not many people want to be body men they want to be painters yeah and like being a body guy is like is like a halfway or not a yeah, halfway, and, like a stepping stone just to becoming a painter at least from right. what i've and i've met a lot of body men that used to be painters i, I honestly i'd say 60 percent of the body men that i've met doing this they they used to paint really yeah and at least around here but maybe it's it's different in different parts of the country or the world but here, a lot of them used to be either like a combo tech doing it all or used to be a painter back in the, the lacquer days, as all of them have told me. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because I have actually noticed the opposite. I've noticed most people don't don't want to be body tech. They want to be a painter, and then they just kind of use body, body work as a stepping stone to get to the painting. And that, that makes a lot of sense, too, on that side of it. I, I definitely agree with that. It's good. I just am glad to hear that people want to be body jacks because I actually prefer body work to painting. Really? I mean, everyone everyone has their, their niche that they like, preferably. It's like I'm the opposite. I prefer painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's why you're probably a lot better at it than I am. <laughs> um, where, you hope, where do you see yourself in the next, you know, five to ten years? Uh, you're like, as an estimator, I want to get, get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love what I do. Um, I really do love painting. I, I, I'd like to just be at the same place I'm at, to be honest with you. I mean, as long as everything goes well and, you know, 
Uh, work stays steady. I don't really plan on leaving where I'm at for a while. Um, long-term future, I'd like to uh, build a shop on my property out here and just kind of work from home a little bit. Uh, that would be start awesome. some side work and then eventually maybe work into working from home full time if I can. But that I feel like something like that takes some time. That's a dream for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. My buddy uh, Matt, I don't know, Big Daddy Custom, he is he worked on um, like boom trucks and tree trucks and stuff. Yeah. Canada, and he actually just I think he's laying the foundation on a garage on his property right now, I believe. Oh, that's it's awesome. His ultimate goal is to be able to That's got to be exciting too. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine, right? It's like the biggest step in that direction to get in to have your own shop on your property. He owns okay, like Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> so I've got a really nice flat spot on my property. I'm like, man, that's a really nice, you know, 30 by 40 or some kind of shop like that would look nice out there. <laughs> Every time I look out there. If you could work on any, if you could paint any car, what would it be? Any car. Or truck, it, motorcycle, anything. If you could paint something, what would it be? Uh, man, it sounds weird. I want to. I want to paint an old '72 uh, Nissan Skyline. That's a. It's always been a dream car of mine. And uh, <laughs> that's interesting. It, I, that's not. Some, that's not what I expected. <laughs> some, I, I'm not really into supercars and stuff like that. I like them. I, I love the performance of them, but there's something about old. Japanese cars that I love, and I really want to own one of those and restore one. That's that's a dream car of mine. Um, yeah, no, that would be a lot. Of, what color? Oh man, that's the hard part. <laughs> I think they look good in a like a nice blue, like a solid blue, almost like the Laguna Seca blue from BMW, <laughs> or a. That uh, midnight purple, like tri coat that they had that shifts color. I think that looks really red. Oh, that would look good. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. different. You know, man, I think you choose a tri color at the though. You're like giving yourself a little bit of extra work. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> gotta challenge yourself. <laughs> what What's the most complex paint job you've done where you're at? Where I'm at, I think the new Mazda 46. G forty six B. It's a red uh tri coat. Uh, I had always heard some horror stories about it before I actually sprayed it. That it was a nightmare, hard to get the metallic to match and everything, but um I sprayed one actually two months ago for the first time and it was it was easier than I thought it would be. And but it was uh it was a challenge, you know, I had to being a tri coat, I was being real, taking my time, baking each coat, make sure it was dry and everything like that. But it was a little nerve wracking because the metallic that's in it's super fine, and it has to, you have to spray it in a cross coat pattern to make sure it lays down right. So it was a little tricky. We have uh, one of every time I think of a tri coat. One time we got this, I don't remember what it was. It must have been a Mac. I think it was a Mac. We got this Mac truck in, and it was this weird yellow color. It was like a gold color, um, mm -hmm. tri coat, and we were looking for a paint coat. We got a paint coat, and it wasn't the right one. Um, and we could not, we could not figure out 
what the pin code was, we couldn't even get like close. Oh man. Like, and not even like in the realm of what the thing is supposed to be. So we were like, what is going on? So we sent, we ended up having to send it to Mac. It turns out like, so what happened was these, they had made three of these trucks. It was a special color. Mm-hmm. Three trucks had ever been painted this color by, I think it was Mac. It might have been Freightliner though, but I think it was Mac. Three, three, three trucks had ever been painted this color. And it was just like, like they didn't save the code. They didn't save anything. <laughs> just a crazy mix and they put it on three of them. Right, right, and so that's like we had to blend it. So we we were like oh, trying man. to figure. Oh my god, that that truck. It took us. I don't even know because we had to send. We sent it. We ended up sending a sample to, like the color scientists down mm-hmm. at wherever the shop was, and they got us something that was like reasonably close. It wasn't even that close. Right. And then we go from there. But like the hard thing about that was like, you know, there's three there's three layers. So like even a slight change in any of the layers completely changes the paint job. Right. So like, oh my God, that was just, that, such a, that took forever. That took like a month just to mash it, I think. Holy crap. Took us forever. Well, because we had to send it, like I said, we had to send it to the manufacturer. Yeah. We were like calling around. Normally, the other problem was that normally, whatever the company was, they normally use, I think, PPG. But mm-hmm. just for this one weird color, they decided to use a different brand of hmm. paint. So like they had used a different brand. So that was like part of the problem is that they were looking in the databases for the wrong, of the wrong company and stuff. It was just awful. That was such a nightmare. <laughs> is is that common with, because I've known a few painters that used to paint big trucks and I've heard that it, sometimes it is a struggle to get, you know, a color right for it, for those trucks. Because sometimes they just kind of spray whatever on it. Is I think that pretty common or no? Th- um, Not so much in the factory, but that can be a problem in, like uh like custom or like if a customer wants like their company color right because like what could have happened is maybe you know like maybe the company is 60 years old and like when they first painted their truck didn't have any money so they did like a you know a leftover special or something mm-hmm. so just took all their spare paint and mixed it together and got enough to spray it and it came out with a cool color but now trying to recreate that 60 years later can be hard you know what i mean oh man i, I would imagine <laughs> impossible. <laughs> exactly. So th- those can be that can happen sometimes, especially um, you know, with companies that have been around for a long time. And another problem is is that like on a big flat surface, mm-hmm. it doesn't take much to change the color. True. Like on the flop, you know what I mean. So like if you have a giant panel, a giant flat panel, um, you know that's like, you know, if you if you like the side of a sleeper is bigger than the roof and the hood of a car. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's, that's a huge panel. <laughs> so like when you're trying to blend into that or like you're trying to, you know, even just like the concentration of the metallic can completely mm-hmm. change color and, and stuff like that. So you can run into some problems there where, um, you know, it, it can be a little tricky. But I think at this point, like colors are pretty much, especially factory colors are like pretty nailed down. Right. So I think you run into a lot less of those problems now than you used to. Right. I get that. Um, because like now, you know, it's, it's all calculated in. I mean, I think when we, even when I first started, which is only like 13, 14 years ago, you know, they, there was like the minimum 
the minimum on uh, like a lot of commercial colors was, you know, you have to mix at least a quart or you have to mix at least, you know, a certain amount to make sure that to get the right ratios in to make the color right. I got you. I got you. So like, but there's like a lot of interesting colors out there too. Like Mac makes a Mac white is like a really cool, like, uh, like off white color that kind of like it, it has like some yellow in it that looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, and you don't see a lot of those colors on cars today, which is kind of cool. Like you get to, I, I like trucks one because they're so much bigger. Like you just, you don't feel like when I work on cars, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly like going to break something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so like, I don't have that feeling when I'm working on trucks. Like there's almost nothing I could do to most of the stuff that I work on that would even make it flinch, you know? <laughs> right. Cause they're, they're, Cause they're built pretty tough to handle. Exactly. And like another thing and like I don't I don't want this to come out wrong, but it's probably going to. But like another nice thing is like like you don't have to worry about a lot of safety stuff on a truck. You know what I mean? True. Like as long as you have the seatbelt bolted down, like the truck being, you know, an eight ton monstrosity driving down the road, like that's (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I you run into like a, a wall of granite to like put the driver in any kind of damage like there's not like there's just there's less concerns like that true it's kind of more peace of mind for me because i worry about stuff like that like when i work on a car i triple and quadruple check everything because all i can think is like if i install this wrong and it goes off at the wrong time and someone dies or whatever like i'm gonna not be able to look oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean this, that definitely on a car in, in collision industry you gotta you gotta triple check it Especially the airbag systems and everything. Exactly. But, like, when you pull – so, like, when you pull a car, like, there's a lot less of that happening now, right? Because, you know, cars are made to kind of crumple up Mm -hmm. and then just change. Whereas, like, on a truck, you can still pull stuff. You can – you know, you don't have to worry about straightening frames ever because nothing – I mean, they're made of, like, half-inch steel. So, like, if the frame is bent, then it's pretty much junk. The truck's totaled. Right. Um. So like I don't know I just like that about I don't even remember where I was going with this or what I was talking about I'm <laughs> Oh you're fine it's the side of of the industry that I don't know much about so I, I enjoy hearing about it I see a lot oh, of pictures of, of big truck painters and stuff on Instagram but I I've never painted one never been in a big truck shop so it's it's interesting to me Well if you ever find yourself up in New Hampshire feel free to swing in and we'll let you give it a shot Yeah I'd love to man <laughs> I think it'd be fun It's uh. It's different, you know? I mean, like, um, I don't do a ton. Like, I don't really paint many cars. I don't paint – actually, I don't paint any cars. And I don't really paint too many. Like, I'm more kind of like the frame and the frame guy, you know what I mean? Frame and wheels and that right. kind of stuff. I don't – my dad handles all the stuff that needs to be real nice because he's, like, he's really good at it. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just um, – it's weird when you see him go to paint a car – because, like, you're used to him, when my dad goes into paint, like, he, he'll be in there for hours, you know what I mean, hours and hours. Yeah, that's Here's true, because you paint well, a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, just painting, I'm trying to think, like, a dump truck, a normal dump truck is probably, like, between the cab frame and wheels, you're looking at 10 gallons of material. The cab body frame and wheels, you're looking at 10 gallons of material. Now, when you spray those, do you use a, I don't mean to bombard you with questions, but do you no, use, like, absolutely. a... Like pressure pot kind of system, or is it gun and cup? 
A lot of people use a pressure pot. We use a gun and cup um, just because, like, when you're climbing up and down ladders and stuff, like, one of the things that gets in the way a lot on trucks is the hose. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, having extra hoses, like, that's why we don't use a fresh air system. We use a respirator system. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, just having those extra hoses when you're climbing up and down, you know, you're trying to balance on top of a ladder, and now you've got, you know, hoses pulling on you and, I'd say that becomes it can become kind of dangerous to have all those obstacles in your way. Yeah, sense. you kind of want to make it so that like you have as little. You know, if they would let me paint naked, I would. You want to just try to make it so <laughs> as little resistance as possible. You know what I mean? Because, um, well, you know, like you only it only takes like your hose getting caught on one thing, and then now you have a a run. And on a side of a dump truck, it's not like on a car where it's like you know it'll run it'll run you know, it can only run from the top of the door to the bottom door. I mean, some of the trucks we paint, it's like, it would be like a 15-foot run from the top to the bottom. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, man, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, when I first started, we used to do, we do um, these things called DID. So they're like, uh, it's like when a company puts their trucks out of service, they'll send them to us, we'll take the stickers off, and then we'll paint the the sides of the box or whatever, so you can't uh the word. Right. When this truck dude, I somehow managed to get a run from like I had, I had like just first started. I, this is probably like my third paint job, and I got a run from like one end of this twenty-five foot box truck all the way to the other side. Oh man! Oh shoot! So like <laughs> I was still super new to this, and my dad wasn't there. Um, and I remember him telling me like, if you ever get, if you ever start to get a run, like just throw more paint on it and run it down like obviously yeah. looking back now he obviously doesn't mean when if you have a run that's 25 feet long and <laughs> then put more paint on feet it. off the ground like try and run that to the ground right but like in my mind i'm still new and i was just like all right well if that's what he wants me to do i let's just, just send it <laughs> just poured it on dude there was like paint running down the paper on the bottom i was like pulling it off and trying to retape it oh my god it uh it didn't go well. I, I mean, it, it ended up I had to I had to reprep it and everything, and that was not a, a good experience. <laughs> but it, man, but I, you definitely learned from it. From yeah, I learned. Like that, I, learned so. I don't like painting. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was a good experience. All the all that stuff is, you know. And it, at the time, it it might seem like it's not at all, but you know, once you get done with it, it's like, man, you know, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I look back on it. And I'm just like, man. I am glad I don't have to do that again. <laughs> right. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> um, are you, have you, what's the biggest thing you've ever painted? Oh, uh, it's, it's going to sound weird, a church steeple. What? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, when when I was in tech school, they had a, one of the churches in town needed their steeple repainted. I guess it was moldy or had a crack in it or something. And we had it in the booth. If the door's open, hanging out of the booth and had plastic around it just to get it painted. And it was just single stage white. But <laughs> as far as the biggest thing, that was probably the biggest thing I've ever painted. That's Next really... to like F-250s and stuff like that. So. How did you get all sides of it? Was it? Did you like hang it somehow? Uh, Yeah, we had like the door towards the front. It got really small and we were able to fix it up, <laughs> you know, and just have it off the ground in the back. Um, the bottom part of it you didn't see 
So we had it set up on blocks so we could get up under and paint it. <laughs> it was pretty janky, but it was just, you know, it kept us busy for a couple of days. One time we painted a, um, uh, it's like a plane refueling truck, I guess. And it's huh. just like a giant fuel tanker that's like 70 feet long. Like, you don't realize how big, like, when you see them on the runway, they don't look that big. But when you, like, actually have one in the booth, it's gigantic. Um and it was so big, we had, we painted the top first and then taped that off and did the sides and the bottom. But, like, that was the same thing where you're, like, you're kind of, like, looking at it like, oh, my God, this thing. It's like, yeah, <laughs> a 70-foot-long truck, that's that's huge. I yeah. imagine you have a pretty big booth, too. I, I tend to exaggerate things. So, like, I don't <laughs> know exactly how long it is, but it was pretty big. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. It seems <laughs> seemed bigger than like a box truck. I remember it taking up the whole bay. It was gigantic. Um, wow. But it was it was pretty cool. You that's like one cool thing about working on a truck is you get like we we painted a bunch of like tugs like plain tugs you know. Yeah. Those were cool. We did like uh, what else have we done? We've done some pretty cool stuff. It's like um everything is very different you know between cars and yeah. trucks. I mean I couldn't do what you do you know I couldn't. Uh, Oh, geez, just even thinking about crawling around on the ground as much as you guys probably do is just not me. <laughs> not so much crawling as as much as just squatting. A lot of squatting. Yeah. No, I don't. I'm like I told you. I'm 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 fat. I don't do that. You know. I need everything. I need everything a little bit higher. <laughs> right. I've seen some booths that have like the lifts in them that you can raise the car up, and that that would be that would be the dream for a oh, geez, that would collision be. shop paint booth. That would be pretty cool. I don't. I've never seen one of those. Yeah, Gabriel of Motivated Painters. He has one in his booth. I would imagine yeah. he's really careful of the hydraulic system. What's that? I said I would imagine you would have to be really careful of like the hydraulic system. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm not sure how they work, but I know it'd be nice to have. <laughs> I wonder. Because I wonder if they're mechanical, like uh, because I know that like when we paint trucks you have to be super 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 careful to tape off all the pistons because mm-hmm. that overspray what happens is it builds up on there and those rubber gaskets that hold that like where the piston slides into right be, um if that gets overspray on it and gets a little just a little bit bigger it can tear the gasket on the way in oh shoot and then ruin the hydraulics so i wonder they must i wonder how they do that i wonder I if know. it's some kind of separate or if you have to tape up your your lift every time I'm not sure. I'm curious now because I've never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I wonder if it's like somehow contained. Interesting. I'll have to go over there and look at it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, now I got me wondering. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, thank you for having me. I was honored to be here. Um, if there's um, anyone out there who wants to learn more about you, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram. I, I don't have a Facebook anymore. I, I try to I try to avoid Facebook, so I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, just Instagram or YouTube. Um, YouTube's the same name, Resnick Refinishing, and uh, pretty much just Instagram. Message me on there. I'll pretty much get back to whoever has a question. Guys, definitely go and check out his YouTube and his Instagram. Both of them are awesome. If you can, go over to his YouTube and give him a follow. It's Resnick. R-E-S-N-I-K, refinishing. He has a lot of awesome videos, and he's just a really cool dude, and 
Um, yeah, definitely go over and follow him. Now that, I appreciate that, man. Oh, no problem. Um, actually, I have one more question for you. Where did you Where did you come up with the name Resnick? It's It's actually my last name spelled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, I feel so dumb for not noticing that. No, you're not. You'd be. I get asked that question a lot when someone asks me. They're like, "What is? What does that mean?" And some people think it's Russian sometimes, but <laughs> you should definitely just come up with a lie. I, I feel like I should. Oh, an elaborate story, like how like. <laughs> Back in your yeah. bank robbing days, that was your partner. <laughs> you know? It all started 50 years ago. <laughs> and he died, and that's when you realized you had to give it up. You had to give up that lifestyle and take up the right. <laughs> You traded <laughs> in your revolver for a spray gun. Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's as simple as my last name backwards. I, I, I've had Instagram forever, and I never used to post my paintwork. And when I decided to make it exclusively that, I was trying to figure out a name to be kind of clever, I guess. And I was like, well, let's, let me try that. And the two R's kind of easy to say, you know what I mean? So I was like, it works. And it, it kinda, does work. It's good. Kind of hit it off after that. So. And it could be like kind of like incognito, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I and hope that, you have a good night. And thank you so much for coming on. Man, you as well. Thank you for having me. I will. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Thank you especially to Eric for being such an awesome guest and for talking with me. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor. Go over and smash that five-star rating and let me know what you thought. Um, Give me a positive review. If you didn't like it, don't hold it in. Go over. Give me a one-star review. Tell me I suck and tell me why so that I can get better. Uh, Yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks again, everybody, and I will talk to you soon.